That's energy right in front of you, living life. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. They were excited, folks. Hallelujah. So last week we began and we spent a good deal of time at the golden altar of incense, which stood between the veil that the priests would enter into only one time a year. All of the priests, there were many priests, they could come this far, this far. But there was only one priest, which was, as you know, called the high priest. God selected the high priest, their family. The high priest could come in and go as deep in God as he was given the privilege and the liberty. I just want to remind us for a moment about something that we never should take for granted and always remember in the front of our heart. Any moment of the day, you can go all the way with God. All the way with God. I don't ever want to forget that. You know what I've said years ago? You got to be careful. We have to be careful. If you ate steak, think of your favorite meal. Favorite. If you ate it every day, every day, every day, every day, there would be a temptation to get lax, mundane in that. Let us never take for granted that the blood of Jesus causes us to go all the way. Give the Lord a hand. Would you just give him a fresh hand? So today we're going to go for the next few moments all the way into, again, there is the holy place. Some of you are sitting in the boundary lines, which was 30 feet long, 15 feet wide, Old Testament tabernacle. Some of you are sitting in the holy place. But then this line, I don't know if you can see it, but where the curtain is, enters into another level. That, that speaks to our spiritual growth, doesn't it? So many folk could stay way out there, and I believe, I believe. But then you can get the holy place, and then you can come into the most holy place. Next week, if the Lord keeps moving, I'm going to speak a whole, preach a whole message about being alone with God. I've noticed numerous passages of Scripture that use that expression. We'll get into it. So today, let's start off with an opening text in Exodus chapter 25, and I'm reading verses 8 through 11. God speaking to Moses said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. You know, God is, a, is an orderly God. He's not haphazard. Even so shall you make it. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. A cubit and a half the breadth. A cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, refined gold, fire-tested gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. I think that said it. So let's, let's talk about this. I made a statement last week, and I believe it with all my heart. And uh, Brother Rick, uh, check, you and I talked for a moment about it in that I know personally I've studied somewhat the Old Testament tabernacle, and numbers of you have. And uh, nevertheless, I will tell you, I feel the, the more I study it and meditate on it and think about the significance of what each aspect of furniture and so forth, the, even the measurements represent, it causes me to have a fresh awareness of how awesome, how holy how mighty and sovereign God Almighty is. And I only tack on this little thought in respect to our generation, so to speak. If our generation could get back to the fundamentals of what the tabernacle really speaks about, we, we would have a reverential awe, a fear of God in reverence 
that we desperately need in the 21st century. Amen. It's the truth. It's so true. So let's get right on into it. <clears throat> Point number one, I want to mention what I, what I call again and all love to the, I call them the old timers. And that's not a derogatory comment. That's a respectful comment, really. When I got saved many years ago, the old timers, especially when God was moving like he was moving today as we were worshiping, they, they would shout out, the Shekinah glory of God is in the house. How many of you ever heard that term, the Shekinah glory? Well, you know, I kind of took it at face value. They knew more than I did, so I'm like, they must be right. And then as the years went by, I, my, my uh, Bible curiosity, I, I don't want to just preach things because other people preach things. I want to go back to the source and to the, to the foundation of what does the Bible have to say. I'm not interested, so to speak, in what people's opinions are, though I respect them, but I want to know, what's the Bible have to say about it? If you tell me, oh, Pastor Ron, I think this, that, and the other, we, I, I want to get us to a place, well, what's the Bible have to say? Because that's our textbook. That's our manual right there. And so I got curious about the Shekinah glory of God. So in my studies, I found <clears throat> there is Bible basis for this terminology, and it is found in verse 8 of our opening text. God said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So I searched that out in my research books that we have, and many of you have, back to the original language, the Hebrew. And I found out that the word sanctuary is the word we use Makedish. It speaks of the righteousness. Jehovah Makedish is one of the covenant names of God. Jehovah our righteousness. The word Makedish, or the, our English word sanctuary, literally means make me a consecrated, dedicated, sacred place that I may dwell there. You know, our Hebrew roots are awesome roots to which springs forth the church made of Gentile and Jew. This, to me, is where salvation really becomes a life-transforming lifestyle. God said, let them make me a dedicated place a consecrated place, a sacred place. We have a disconnect, ladies and gentlemen, between sacred lifestyle and, and secular lifestyle. And now the fog and the haze, if you will, the leaven of the world begins to come under the doorway where you, don't, you can't tell right from wrong, up from down, left from right. And I think every church, we get caught up. I mean, just I'm speaking my heart. We get caught up on many things that I don't think that God is necessarily as focused on. I'll tell you what I feel, Lord, with your permission, that God is caught up on, cares about. He cares about purity. He cares about lifestyle. He cares about worship that has less to do with the song you're singing and more to do with the heart you're singing it with. What God really cares most about, I've been saved now for over 40 years. I know I look like I'm just 25 years old, but I can't help it. So I have a running history. Actually, in the here in the month of December, I think December 29th, I'm going to have a panel of about eight people. It's called the Forum. And we're going to talk about the signs of the last days. Some are going to be younger people. Some are going to be a little bit older people. And we're going to talk. It's going to be a format where we're going to share. It's going to be insightful, and it'll bless you. I know it will. So God said... If you're going to worship me, you have to get into a lifestyle of dedication, consecrate, dedicate, and provides a sacred temple for me to dwell in. 
Now, we know only the blood of Jesus can get us to, to God's righteousness. But once he cleanses us, now we have a responsibility with the help of the Holy Ghost to keep our temple clean. God ain't going to sweep your temple every morning. That's up to you and me. And we do that by a will, a human will and a sacred heart. God, any, I said to somebody the other day, now I know you know these things because you're smart people. I said any day of the week, preacher Ron could go out and get flat out drunk. I could. I don't have money in my pocket now, but I know where my source is. Vicky. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Every man needs to put away a few dollars. Remember that, brethren. No, I said any moment I could go out back and find the cocaine and the drug dealer. I could do that. But I've been out of it, thank God, for so long I don't know any. To, to, that, and that, to those of you that may struggle in the drug, drug alcohol, especially the drug, you need to get away from your dealer. And I don't necessarily mean move out of town because they sell drugs out of town too. Yeah, that's what I found out. You can go where you want to go. But I, 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 I uh, desire, help me out here, is there anybody in the house you want your temple to be sacred for God? That's the starting point. If you're like, mm, I'm not sure about that, well, then you're not delivered yet. Takes a made-up mind. Till mind's made up, lifestyle does not change. But the Holy Ghost helps us, amen? Okay, so make me a sanctuary, a sacred place. Now, here's where we get to the Shekinah. That I may dwell there. The, the word dwell happens to be the Hebrew word shekan. S-H-E-K-A-N, Shekan, or Shekan, okay? Now, we're halfway there, Shekinah. Shekan literally means make me a place that I may reside, that I may abide, permanently stay among you. But we're not quite there yet for the Shekinah glory. We're into the Shekan. Make me a sacred place that I may Shekan, Dwell, abide, reside there, human heart. Where we get into the Shekinah comes the next word. Make me a place that I may Shekan. I is the word Yah, Y-A-H. One of the names God is referred to in the Bible as Yahweh, that Yah may abide there. So in other words, I told you it's the word dwell, but really it's a condemnation. Let me give it to you in the literal Hebrew rendering. Ready? Make me a sanctuary that dwell I may among them. Make me a dedicated place that dwell, Shekan, I, Yah, may among them. Make me a place that Yahweh may dwell among. Make me a Shekan dwell, Yah, Shekinah. I found this to be true. <clears throat> when the Lord came into our lives, what it really means to be born again, hold on here, will you li listen with both ears? Nobody sleep now, okay? Going to church is absolutely biblical and powerful and critical because going to the house of the saints of worship on corporate worship day, Sunday, the early church began to worship on Sunday. They were Jews. They worshiped Saturday. Jesus rose on a Sunday. They said, hey, we walked into a new uh, beginning, and they began to worship on Sunday. Okay. But I found this. Going to the building does not make Shekinah pour out on your life. The only thing that will get the glory of God, I mean, the, again, I say this. I know I'm, being, I'm laboring the point here. We live in a day of, it's terrible disconnect. A lot of people, oh, I know Jesus. I know the Bible. I know this. I know that. We're not judging you. 
okay? We're not judging you. But what we're all trying to do is get back to the laver. You can be out there in the courtyard somewhere, oh, but when you get to the labor, you really see yourself. Now it's quality decision time. I either go, ooh, I'm, I'm okay over here, but you'll never make heaven your home. Not only that, it's not all, to me, it's not all about making heaven my home. Well, I really want to make heaven my home. But I want to tell you this much. Don't you feel like you want the glory of God in your life now before you get to heaven? i got one life to live. I'm not getting any younger. I'm, I, I, I don't feel awkward about that. I just know I've got one life to live. I want to let my light shine. I don't want the devil to trip me up. I don't want to get caught up in the cares of life, the deceitfulness, the riches, or the lusts and desire of other things. Push those things away. I want the Shekinah glory of God to dwell in my life, not as a preacher, but as a believer, as a royal priesthood. Oh, hallelujah. Do you feel that way? Oh, that's a, that's a pretty weak week. Amen. Do you feel that way? <laughs> I'll never forget what Rod Parsley, some of you heard that name. He said about what, one of the roles of the preacher. Any preacher worth his salt or her salt, what you do respectfully, you grab people by the nap of the neck and you bring them into the word of the living God in their lives. We're, don't you think we're living? Oh, I could preach it. A day that is so loose. That's why he said put on the belt of truth. Tighten it. You know what? Some people's pants are falling down. And that ain't pretty. I mean, we, we, this is not just a, something we do because we're bored on Sunday morning, is it? I mean, we really take this serious. I said to Sister Wanda this morning, I know I'm just preaching, I don't know, is this elementary? But this, this is what I feel. People need to be sh shaken, shaken in love. But sometimes I want to say, what in the world are you doing? You're wasting your life. You say, but I struggle and I can't seem to get free. Do you know how many people have struggled with you, but they got free? Why are you any different? Because the Shekinah glory of God has got to start when you give him a sacred place, a dedicated place. You say, but what if I fail tomorrow? Don't think about tomorrow. Today is your day. Today. You know how many times I've rededicated my life? I should just tape it for the Lord. Oh, Lord, here I come again. <laughs> Serious. Okay. The Shekinah. Let, let's go on. Let's talk about the most holy place. Let me, let me see the picture of that tabernacle at night first. I just like, ooh. I like that picture. But you know what, as awesome as it looks, it can't even begin to rival what it really looked like. So you go, wow, that's pretty awesome. It, if you'd have been there, it'd have been awesomer. I mean, seriously. Can you imagine that? Better than TV, folks. I, I could hear little Johnny acting up. I could hear dad say, Johnny, you need to come out of the tent here. And I want you to see how awesome our God. Okay, okay, dad. All right. He is an awesome God. I, I, I can hear Martha say, I just don't know if I can make it again. I, I can hear Mary say, come on, Martha. Come on out of the tent. I want to show you how powerful our God is. Look at him. That's just a little touch of his hand. Woo! I don't know. Don't condemn me, but if I'd have been the high priest going into the Holy of Holies, man, I would have jumped in that labor. I would have everything. I want to be right. You know what I'm saying? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. God, would you hear my prayer, our prayer? Would you restore the reverential all of your presence? 
in the kingdom of God. Again, again, again. I'm going to say it this way. You may disagree, but I did not come to Jesus on a good day. And what brought me to him scared the daylights out of me. And he let me know, if there's a heaven, if there's a hell, that's where you're going. I know people talk about the love of God, but sometimes even we human beings need, to, need a good rod of correction. You know, I found out about kids because I told you I worked at a Christian school for a while. And uh, when uh, Pastor McDaniel wasn't there, then Pastor Mike had, McDermott had to spank them. Those are little naughty kids, some of them. Pastor Mike wasn't there. Pastor Ron had to spank them. I didn't like it. That was a big paddle, man. Rick, do you ever see it? Evangel Temple? It had a handle about that long, but the board was a flat board. I'm not kidding. It was about that long. And, it, and if that wasn't enough, it had holes in it. So it could go, no resistance. You know what? 21st century, probably many of our educators, some, not all, they couldn't handle that. Oh, just let them kids do whatever they want to do. Well, they are doing it. Oh, God, I'm on the wrong sermon here. But my point was, three times, Rick, I refer to you because you're a teacher. Denise, where are you? Denise was a teacher. Denise, you told me a few stories. I'll tell you what, we need discipline back, back in our schools, don't we? I talked to a teacher the other day. She was totally frustrated. She said, I got into teaching because I wanted to help people. I wanted to teach children. I wanted them to grow. I wanted them to become successful in life. Every, oh, the, everybody, oh, we want to succeed. Yeah, I'll tell you how to get successful. When you do wrong, there's got to be a consequence. I never made one of them bleed. Oh, wait a minute. I know I'm talking too long for this point, but it's fun to talk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If No, I won't go there. You, and Pastor Ron, if I'm not here, here's how you have to do it. Come over to this chair. Oh, this is the wrong sermon. I just don't know. And, and, the, and the children. How come it was all the boys? As I think about it right now. And they... Johnny, I'm sorry if your name's John. Johnny, put your hand. Now, Johnny, you knew that when you punched that kid in the face because you wanted his crayon and you didn't say, may I borrow your crayon, you just punched him because he was, and I had to hit him three times. One, two, three. My heart wasn't even into it. Wasn't even into it. But let me tell you one thing. Now, I know. I'm going to tell you how you know you're swallowing the poison pill. Right now, if you're going, I'm never coming back to that church again, you're swallowing the pill. I say it respectfully. <sighs> I'm here to tell you the three times that I did that, it was with compassion and with mercy and with grace, and it wasn't hard either. Some kids, I was like, let's do an experiment. Let me just go like that and not even hit them. Ah! Ah! I didn't even hit you yet. Talk about mind control. I did. I'm here to tell you, as the good Lord in heaven is watching me, every time those little boys, why was it boys? I don't know. No, there's something there. Every time... I'm a boy, so we got a lot of stuff. Hi, Mr. Ron. I've been good. I said, that's awesome. Every time. Is that a coincidence? Hi, Mr. Ron. I've been good. I said, that's wonderful. Oh, bless you, Johnny. And they walked down the hall smiling at the guy that spanked them yesterday. I'm like, this is weird. And then I learned something. Children, know that you love them when you give them guidance and when you, I don't say you always spank them. We, we had a son. Our daughter was pretty good. Where's our son? I'm like, Vicky, 
you broke one spoon over him already. We're going to have to come up with plan B. We did. We did. You can't beat the daylights out of them, y'all. <laughs> you know, come on. You said, I said, we, got, we did the one, two. When you get to three, brother, you better follow through. I heard a guy up the street say, Johnny, get off that tractor. Get off that tractor. One, two, three, four, five. No good. Kids are smart. Every time. Every time. How did I get onto this subject? But it's true. I'm going somewhere. It's true, isn't it? Our generation, once, once they begin to realize, we begin to realize. Did you think before you met Jesus and, and he introduced you to the mighty Father God who is a consuming father, a, a fire, did you think God was just some sweetsy, sweetsy cream puff? Or when the Holy Ghost introduced you to the fire of the living God, you said, oh, God, uh, that's just what I need. Uh, I've been inconsistent. I've been up and down. I'm not on time for things. I promise people things. I don't fulfill them. Uh, I'm only, oh, God, this is the Lord. I'm only self-centered. I only care about myself. All I want to do is just take and use. But when you see the fire of the living God, Oh, hallelujah. Then he begins to make a man, a woman out of you. Hello, Haven. That's my baby. I see her on the front row. It's true. Let's talk about the ark. Let me have picture number two, Donna. Ark of the Covenant. He said here, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half the length, a cubit and a half breadth, cubit and a half the height. So first of all, this ark is built, I checked it out, to the standard of the size of the ark. I could measure it 45 by 20, 45 by 27 by 27. Just to give you a visual, that's what they carried for 40 years in the wilderness. And God blessed them because of, sometimes you carry things. And you oh, I don't know. But if you keep serving God, he will bless you in spite of what you're carrying because he loves you and he cares about you. So that's the dimension. Now let's talk about the materials. In verse 11, the scripture says, Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. I found this to be interesting. First of all, we talked about the symbolism. Gold is representative of deity. When you get in the outer courtyard, you don't find gold, you find brass, which represents judgment over sin as metals are concerned. The silver on, that lined up the whole tabernacle, they were made of uh, gold and silver. It represents redemption through Jesus the gold. When you get into here, everything's gold. Everything's gold, representing the presence of God. Now, the wood I found is interesting. In the King James, it uses one terminology. And that Hebrew word is shotate. Shotate. But if you look up the word in the Greek, you'll find the word akanthia. Akanthia. Acacia. You ever heard of acacia wood? Acacia wood. Now, here's, here's something interesting. The ark was made of acacia wood. Old Testament, shotate, shittim wood. New Testament, acacia. It was made of acacia wood, and it was covered with pure gold inside, within, and without. Now, what is that message? As you begin to study, I think it's really interesting. The word acacia in the Greek means to pierce. It's a thorn bush. It comes from a thorn bush. So the ark was made from the wood of a thorn bush. I think Matthew says it this way, 27, 29. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, acacia, 
It means to, a thorn to pierce. That's the word, acacia, to pierce. When they had put platted, the word they used, when they had formed a crown of acacia wood thorns and put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed their knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. In other words, the ark was made from the same wood that they used to put on Jesus' head, a crown of thorns. Is that a coincidence, or does God know what history is all about and the future will bring? The ark specifically, literally represents the presence of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. As a matter of fact, it, I'll tell you, now look at the angels. Now these are a representation, but there were two angels. And the Bible said in verse 18, and thou shalt make two cherubim, or, or angels of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. Everything that God does has, has significant points to it. He's, he's not just rambling words. Two angels of beaten work, how they did that gold, they beat it under pressure, hammered it. And the angels were one angel on one end, one angel on the other end. I wrote this. This speaks of the kind of death Jesus would suffer from one end of God's mercy to the other end of his mercy. Isaiah 53, verse 5, New Living Translation says this. Talk about of a beaten work. He was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped, and we are healed. How many of you know that passage of Scripture to some point? Here's what I would say. Let us have a fresh reminder of why we pray for the sick. If there's any sick among us, why do we pray for them? Because he was wounded and crushed then I can be healed, is, is to connect the dot. He was beaten that I might be able to walk in peace. When life comes against you, when the devils and demons of darkness try to stress your mind out, plague your mind, frustrate your mind as a royal priesthood that is now your divine opportunity to say in the name of Jesus Christ I will declare and proclaim peace I will walk in peace when the enemy tries to come against your body that is your divine opportunity to say I know my body's not working like it wants but in the name of Jesus Christ he was wounded for my transgressions he he was bruised for my iniquities, and with his stripes, I'm declaring and proclaiming healing. Fight for your body. Fight for your mind. Paul the apostle, great man of God, said, I fought a good fight. We also live in a generation that wants something for nothing. They don't too many don't want to work, they want a paycheck. Too many want easy. To me, Christianity begins with the supernatural grace of God. And from that point on, it is a matter of every day dedicating a sanctuary, committing my heart, fighting the good fight of faith, we were talking, Don, the other day <clears throat> about living for the Lord. We spent some sharing. We went, to, Lynn, we went to your men's group. You have every, every once a month, every on the Tuesday of the month, third, third Tuesday of the month. Great group, great group of men. We get there, we talk, we share, we pray. Bob Darla, yesterday you had a great group of, 
uh, go-getters, go-got it, didn't they, yesterday? Did y'all get it? They went and got it. They went to Pennsylvania. And others, others, I don't want to start calling names. We're fighting the good fight of faith. But the reason we can be healed, the reason that though we don't feel good, we can still believe. If you're struggling today and there's, there's an area in your life, don't let the devil condemn you. But not letting the devil con condemn you doesn't mean you go, I guess it's okay. No, it's not okay. Never give up. The thing, that I, the thing I remember that helped me the most, this, I know I'm weird. So are you. Did you know that? Those people are crazy. So are you. Just teasing. You know what, Cheryl, what helped me? John, I've been talking about John all day long. He must have been a naughty little boy. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, just, I'm teasing. Oh, there you go. Don, when I gave my heart to Jesus, now, now this will mess up somebody, I don't know, out there, probably not in here, but out there. You know what? The, the, the thing that I feared the most, I, that's probably the wrong word, but the thing I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to backslide. I remember the day coming home, Pastor Sandy, I, I never even heard of what backsliding was. You know the Holy Ghost can preach to you even when you don't know all the Bible. He can still talk to you. And I was like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. And because of that, I, I, fear is the wrong word. You can help me out. That awareness, that, that, that reverential oh, fire of God, all. Oh, I'm like, I don't want to go back into drugs. I don't want to go back out into drinking. It wasn't somebody said, now you, you know you're, God loves you, everything's good. I'm not picking on that. I'll tell you what, it worked for me. Hear, hear it from an ex-drug addict. I said, I don't want to go back out there. I've been living in pain and hurt and wounds. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. And you say, but how can I be free? You have to provide a sacred place. No, you can't do it yourself. No, it only comes by the blood of Jesus. But I, I saw it this way. I'm standing in a prison, bound in my sin, my life, my will, my choices. And then one time, one day, by the mercy seat of God, Jesus came to me through the power of his spirit. He unlocked the prison. I heard the squeak of the door open, and he said, now you are free. Some people sit there, and they're like, but I, I don't know what it means to be free. I can't move. I moved. I said, I stepped out of the prison. Now, he said, don't go back to jail. I said, Lord, you got to help me. Lord, you got to help me. And he did, and he can. Let me conclude. There are three elements. Donna, let me have the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. You see them, that's just a picture form. What was in the Ark of the Covenant, church? Somebody help me. I use this Bible. The Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant representing the dead wood that now has come back to life. Aaron's rod that began to bud. Lastly, what's in the Ark of the Covenant? <coughs> the pot of manna angel's food. <clears throat> My sermon time is almost up, so hang with me. I said it this way. If you were going to start a new civilization or maybe make a new nation, what would you put in the box that would help that new civilization succeed? What would you put in there? Well, I'll give them a thousand dollars. That won't last. 
I'll give them a new car. Well, it's too big for the box. On and on. Diamond ring, whatever. Think about the wisdom of God. Israel came out of Egyptian bondage. Some say it was 400 years. So in other words, the, uh, the, the idol worship of the Egyptians was ingrained in their children, their children, and children's children. The first thing God said, what is important, if we can put back into our children the word of the living God. Do you know how hard our society is struggling and striving to get the Bible out of the schools, out of the universities? You know you can go down the, you go down the hallway and you can cuss a professor out, but you can't read a scripture. God said, if I want to create a people to succeed, this is one that I'll give them. If you read my word, you shall have great success. The second thing, what I'm going to teach them is that I have called them to become royal priests. A prophet brings God to people. A priest brings people to God. I'm going to teach my people that they can go out in the deadness of this world and I can show them that dead things can live because it's in the hand of the royal priesthood. I'm going to show them that they have prayer power. When my church prays, it will bloom with life once again. That's what I'll put in my box. I'll put my people in my box, a royal priesthood that when they call upon the name of Jesus, he hears from heaven. One last thing. I'm going to teach my people I know you're living in a real world. I know rent's due next week. I know you need a new car. I know you like to go out to eat. I know you're trying to pay your tithes when you feel like you don't have enough. Rather than give you money, I'm going to give you manna from heaven. This will show you that if I can feed over 4 million people for 40 years in a desert area by manna from heaven, angels' food, then surely I can take care of you because your God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. What you need is what he's got, and he's got heavenly manna, divine provision. Vision. Somebody give the Lord a praise, would you? I'm going to ask you to stand. I'll leave you with this thought. What, you know, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movies is entitled The Time Machine. Anybody ever heard of that movie? It's just me, I know. And, 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 and the time machine, there's a, a, a scientist, an inventor, he, he invents the time machine. He, for a dry run, he travels into the future and he finds out civilization is a mess. Uh, not to go into the whole movie, you can see it, you can watch it. He watches as a bunch of men and women are sitting on the beach and they're just laughing and they're talking. And one lady falls in the rushing river rapids and she's washing down the stream, hollering, help, help, help. And the guys are just going, I, they don't even know how to rescue, have compassion. They don't even care. The world says, it's not that I hate you, I just don't care about you. I just don't care. And so what he does, he comes back to his present, uh, to his present, the, the scientist does. And he takes three books from off his shelf, his library shelf. 
And then they hear the time machine starts up and he's gone. His friends get together and they find he's gone. He's gone. And then they happen to notice, oh, there's three books that he took off the library shelf. And the one guy says, wonder what three books he took. The other guy says, I don't know. Does it matter? What three books would you take if you were going to if you were going to start a new civilization? I spoke to my heart, corny as it might sound. I thought, what three books would I take? What would I put into the ark of the covenant that can impact a generation? Right now, as you're listening to me, would you lift your hands up in this place? Church, what do we have in our hands today to impact a generation? Oh, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I tell you, Lord, what we think would be in the box. It would be, thus saith the word of the living God. Lord, somehow or another, my God, we got to pray and believe that, God, your word will hit center stage one more time. Lord, so therefore, we pray. We don't merely talk about criticize, but, Lord, we pray for the leaders of our nation. Will you pray with me? Lord, we pray for those that are in the White House. Lord, I don't care. It doesn't matter if they're... uh, Democrat or Republic, we should still pray for them. That's what we mean, Lord. We have a preference, but oh God, the Word will find a fresh new start in our Congress. Lord, in the Senate, in the House, in the neighborhood. My God, but you said judgment must begin at the house of God. So we believe revival begins at the house of God. So, Lord, let us walk into your glory, your holy of holies. And, Lord, as it were, take off the lid and reach in and find the word of the living God. Lord, your word is more powerful than, Lord, than the atom bomb or the nuclear bomb. Lord, your word is what brings healing. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that needs a divine injection of supernatural revelation truth. Right now, illuminate our minds, enlighten our spirits. Lord, we pray, oh God, for this rod to bud one more time. What seemed to be dead now will come forth with new life. Lord, what seemed to be dead can live again. Oh Lord, yes, these bones can live again. I feel this. I take authority over every spirit of alcoholism and drug addiction right now in the name of Jesus. We're doing spiritual warfare. Somebody agree. We're not just speaking words. We take authority as the royal priesthood right now. Lord, Moses had a stick, but we've got the word of the living God. We bind the spirits of addiction. We command them loose, 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 loose in Jesus. Somebody right now is your moment to tap in by faith to your breakthrough. Go ahead, praise him, church. Go ahead, praise him. My God, your spirit is more powerful than flesh and blood. My God, before we were, you are. Oh, God, before we've been there, you've been there. Oh, Sikiyatayana Namasayah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, Spirit of the Lord is moving, church. This was the atmosphere where we were delivered. Some of you had some real hard habits. You were set free in an atmosphere such as this. Oh, God, the church does not need to get quiet. It needs to shout loud. The the church needs to be full of your spirit, God. Lord, my will says, let me become a sacred place. Lord, you said, make me a sanctuary. Lord, that, that, that sounds like it's up to us. Make me a sanctuary. 
Lord, we're going to start right now. If you're standing here today, saints praying and worshiping quietly. If you're standing here today, you said, Pastor Ron, today I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life and my soul. Can I see your hand? Anyone in the building? Yes, 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 yes. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, God, holy God, my Lord, make me a sacred place that Yahweh may dwell among us. Oh, Lord, a place where your Shekinah may flow and your glory may fall. Lord, make me a sanctuary. Donna, give me the last picture there. Oh, Eli, Yeshua, Lord, a sanctuary. Ah, this picture, look here, it just caught me right there. I said, oh, God, to say we're not back in the old covenant day sounds like, oh, God, that sounds pretty good. But now, now, look here, we're where the glory of the living God really is. What mankind takes for granted, the God's children, every day we get up and say, wow, this is the day the Lord has made. Come on in it the truth. Uh, uh, just one little picture. I, I don't know who that guy is, uh, but it might be you uh, standing there at the middle. Oh, God, and we say, oh, God, uh, if you could do such things as these, uh, how awesome you are, how holy you are, how mighty you are. Donna, give me picture number four, really. Oh, yes, Jesus. Now, you see that there? It's just a small little representation. In the tabernacle, Lynn, the angels were about that size. But when it came to Solomon, when Solomon built the temple, the Bible tells us that the angels in the Holy of Holies were over 15 feet tall. And the Bible literally says, you can check it out, they stood there over the mercy seat, similar to that, just 15 feet. Can you, 15 feet tall is taller than those reeves. Can you imagine the high priest walking in, cross that curtain, and all of a sudden you see those golden angels? Man, that's a lot of money there, but God wasn't into money. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. And the angel, the Bible said, one of his wings went this way, and the other angel wings, and they touched in the middle, and this wing went back that way. And there they were. And it tells us that the, the, the size of that length was over 30 feet in length. When, when you walked into Solomon's temple, it was like, But then again, God ain't impressed with the gold and the silver. Right now, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands one more time. Right now, I can feel the brush of angels' wings. We're dwelling right under the shadow of the Almighty God. Right now, I know in this humble little building, but oh God, we're right under the move of the Spirit of the living God. Angels of God, I believe that. We don't exalt angels, we exalt God. They are but created beings. But sometime if our eyes could, just think about it, if our eyes could be open, do you know how many, how many angels might be moving in this place right now? That ain't weird. That's the Bible. That's the word of the living God. That's the spiritual realm. If our eyes could be open, what would we see? We would see more are they that are with us than those that are against us. We would say, oh, God, I'm standing on holy ground. Oh, God, how did that priest even stand? I don't know. No doubt he had time. He must have fallen down and said, oh, God, how awesome, how holy, how mighty you are. 